Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan here, and welcome to another episode of the Startup to Scale podcast. And today I have my guest, Sam Tickner, who is the founder of FUPS. And Sam, welcome onto the show. Thanks. Uh, great to be here and, and excited to be chatting unhealthy snacks with you. Let's do it. So for those who aren't familiar, tell me a little bit about FUPS and what they are. Yeah, so FUPS is a not healthy puffs brand. So the name is Puffs Backwards, but a little wrong. And uh, our whole kind of aim is to just provide a new product for people in the world that's like just not better for you or not explicitly better for you and kind of going counter to the trend. The, the reason we did that is, is because we, we looked at our consumer base and, and what snacks people wanted and found that there's a lot, large subset of consumers that if they see a health claim, they might actually be skeptical of it and, and use that as a, a filtering way to not buy something. And so we kind of took that insight and ran with it and, and put together a brand of kind of what we call like, it's not unhealthy, but it's not healthy. It's just a, basically a flavor delivery vehicle and kind of built a, a whole brand world around that. You know, FUPS backward, or puffs backwards, but a little wrong is interesting because when I shared some with my wife, that's actually how I describe it. I'm like, oh yeah, it's like puffs backwards, but yeah. actually not. I guess yeah. that is over Puff, here. Puff didn't have the right ring to it. Uh, so <laughs> I did have uh, you know, going with something else. And what I love about the name is that it's like simple. Uh, it's like one syllable. And it's just like, there. if you, we don't have to worry about like SEO because if you're Googling FUPS, the odds are like you're looking for our brand. So that's just like one added little benefit of a, a quirky name. Does uh, anything weird come up when you, on like auto correct when you type in FUPS? Um, Actually you're looking pretty good. Not, I, see like I think Pups. it's like such a, <laughs> such a unique word that, uh, it's just, it, it stands alone. You're winning. I mean, your yeah. first page of Google, everything is your brand. Yep. So it's, it's, it's working. And like you said, it, it very much stands out. You recognize it and you won't confuse it for anything else. So that contrarian view kind of gets into like a lot of how you position the brand. So um, I'd love for you to share like where, who you see your consumers are and how you kind of got to that market. Yeah. So we, we call our consumer the couch snacker. And we kind of define them by someone who is eating snacks while like watching TV, sports, or movies. They are eating puffs at least once a week. And most critically, they actively select against health claims when buying snack products. And so like that, that's kind of like who, who our consumer is and, and, and what we're going after in terms of targeting. So I mean, that's very contrarian, right? Because everyone's talking yeah. about like healthier products, high protein, Excellent. low carb, and you're going after this couch snacker. Um, I'm kind of curious, like why, why that market versus going after like a healthier consumer? Yeah. So when we got started on this, like I knew we wanted to build like a mass snack brand, like something big that could live in the aisle with a Doritos, Cheetos, Pringles, like that level of brand. And, and so started just talking with a lot of consumers around like what they were looking for. And, and so like, that's really like what I did was like, right when I knew I was going to you know, try to do something in snacks, I talked about like, I want to say like 20 consumers that I knew just like, you know, even people who I would consider to be healthy in the sense that 
they go to the gym like a lot. And if you walk, if you walk past them on the street, you're like, oh, that person's like in good shape. They're like, they, they're probably living a healthy lifestyle. But when you talk to them, they're like, yeah, like if I want to eat healthy, I'll have a meal. But if I'm watching a movie on a Friday night, like I'm not looking for anything besides the thing that's going to taste good, the thing that, you know, is my reward. And so kind of like starting with that, like occasion-based snacking, we started like pretty quickly learning both through like the qualitative interviews and a quantitative uh, set of surveys that like there is this large set of consumers that's like they're kind of like it's not that they they're not healthy it's just that there's certain occasions where they don't care and so specifically with like indulging indulgent snacks that's exactly where we kind of found this like if we tell somebody that this isn't healthy they're going to think it tastes good and they're going to know like that's the snack for them and, like the other end of it is like based on like our whole packaging and, and brand aesthetic like we're kind of joking. Like, it's just funny to like, cause we don't, we're not making any health claims. So, like, what are we going to put on the package? Well, like, I guess it's not healthy. Like, and, and that's kind of like where that came from. Um, so, so it's kind of like a mix of like, we know we're being contrarian, but we just think that there's just set of consumers that hasn't really been targeted by new brands. I mean, of course, like big CPG has been going after this for, for a long time. Um, but we, we think it's kind of just like a breath of fresh air competing in a part of, of, of the snack category that like just hasn't seen much new brand innovation. You know, honestly, you're going after the most obvious consumer that ev almost every single brand that I see passes up on. And I mm -hmm. say that because I'm sure you, so, you see a lot of data. If you ask consumers, what's the number one um, thing they're looking for in a snack? What's the answer going to be? Yeah, something that tastes good. Yeah, it's something that tastes good, right? And every brand that I talk to, it's always number one, yet very few are building products where taste is number one and that's their primary benefit, right? It's either um, they're building something that's healthier that should also taste good or as good as it can, but taste always falls down to like a second or third priority when consumers are telling us that it's number one. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And, and you can see it with certain brands um, that have done a great job like finding their niches, but you know, they, you see how they innovate and it's a lot of like, they started in one category and found like a band of loyal followers that might not be huge, but they're spending a lot of money because they cater to their one specific need. And then they start innovating across different products. Whereas what we're doing very much is like, and it's kind of in our name, like we're a Puffs brand and that's all we'll ever be. But what we can do is continue to innovate around flavors and, and take kind of like what I call like the Pringles approach to just like trying everything and, and putting a lot out on shelf and, and seeing what sticks. Um, and, and so like that, that, and that was a key decision we made very early on in the product development and branding process of like, who are we? Are we building a portfolio of different categories that can live under one brand name? Or are we building a brand in a specific category? And that's like where, what we'll, what we'll be. So you spent about six years at Harry's, the razor company of uh, working in product innovation and you have a very strong background in that. So as you, well, I'd love to know, like, what did you learn about how to approach product innovation from your experience working there? Yeah, and, and my time at Harry's was interesting. So I, I was in a group called Harry's Labs for my last like two and a half to three years there. And, and before then was actually um, you know, doing corporate finance there. So I kind of got the, the view of like, how does a company that's scaling DTC and retail, like what is it, what does it look like? What should it look like? And kind of how do, how do we grow? And then from there, figure out like, well, now that I see like in the model, how things could grow, like, let me actually do some work to figure it out. And 
you know, I, I think there, there's a lot to be said about, you know, how do you bring new products to market quickly and in ways that resonate with consumers um, in, a, in an interesting way. And the challenge at Harry's was like, it was a big, big-ish company already. And, you know, one of the you know, top grooming brands um, in the market and expanding into things like women's personal care, cat food, um, amongst others. And so like our, the bar was so high of like, we need to make sure that like what we're doing really, really resonates with somebody. And so because of that, you know, we did a ton of consumer insights work, a ton of brand strategy work, in addition to how do we operationally set this up and how do we, you know, make sure that this is a good investment for the, for the company. So I definitely like took a lot of lessons out of that and, and was able to kind of take, you know, what at a certain level, like things work in personal care that might not work in snacks, but like process wise, there was, there's definitely like a lot that I took away and, and helped me launch the brand. So let's talk about some of those. You just launched the brand a couple of months ago. Walk me going back to, you know, close to day one. How did you go about collecting insights? Were you talking to people on the phone? Were you using surveys? Were you doing Facebook ads? Like walk through some of the, the um, executional things that you did to actually collect the data and, and what you were looking for in the beginning and how you went about collecting it. What you found? Yeah. So like to start, we did all those interviews that I alluded to and, and kind of have done a couple ways of those just throughout the process and, and, you know, being scrappy, it's, it's people that I already knew, which, which helps. Cause then, you know, if it's a friend, I can just, you know, text them or her like a couple of weeks later, Oh, I thought of this question. What do you think? And then beyond that, I've done a series of surveys where I was, I was testing things like, do, well, how do you feel about not healthy on the packaging? Like, so it's not like it'd be just kind of like, like, oh, we're just going to do this. Like we, we did a lot of research to make sure that like every element of the branding actually resonated with the consumer we're going after. And if it, it's polarizing, right? Like we're saying not healthy on our packaging. So like we needed to really make sure that we were comfortable with that. And ultimately, you know, one metric I love to look at for pre-launch brands is purchase intent. Like would you be very likely or highly likely to purchase this product? And our purchase intent amongst our target consumers was like 91%, which having done a lot of those types of surveys throughout my career, like I'd never seen a number that high. And granted, like, you know, maybe there was a little bias in how I wrote the question or like, you know, the sample size might not have been huge, but it was enough for me to feel really confident that we built a brand that was resonating with people. And so as we were gearing up for launch, we knew like the, the other aspect of we're a snack brand, like we're an impulse buy. And so I didn't want to spend too much money on like marketing before launch sacrificing maybe like you know we didn't have like the oh everything sold out in a day but like it doesn't have to i think what was important for us was we knew that we had a brand that resonated with consumers and we also knew that like and again maybe there's some bias here but like the product just tastes very good so you know with with that in mind we were kind of you know we did some like you know, prospecting and, and collection of um, emails ahead of time and we tested a little bit of, you know, some ads just to see like, will people come to the landing page? Will they sign up? Like how, how are those metrics looking? But really like before launch, like the key data points we were looking at were just like, do people like this and would they buy it? Nice. So I like that you did interviews, surveys, and got the initial directional data to, to go off of. Um, I know like taste was really good. That was probably number one, the whole idea about not healthy. Um, mm -hmm. How did you kind of innovate around your flavors then in terms of what you decided to launch with? Oh, good question. More, uh, more consumer insights there. So what we did was, and I would say like, this was kind of like a mix of art and science, but we had a list 
in like by we, it's like I wrote a list of like 30 flavors that I thought were interesting, had some input from my R&D team and just put them in a survey um, with one of our, I think it's our, maybe our second survey where amongst, you know, target consumers in, in the general population, we wanted to see like which flavors like actually tested the best and tried to do like a mix. So to prioritize, we did like a mix of which ones did everybody like, but then were there any that really popped for our target group? And we, we whittled it down to about 10 flavors and then actually tried to make them. Uh, and so there was like a couple of that, like we just couldn't get quite right. So like cookies and cream was one that people thought would be interesting, but like for whatever reason on a corn puff, like we just couldn't get it to work. And so kind of let that one go and maybe we'll figure out a better way to, to get that in the future. Cause I would love that. But, um, and then like, for example, our hot chocolate flavor actually was s'mores to begin with. It's just, as we started eating it, we're like, well, this tastes really good. It might not taste like a s'more, but like, are, is the name sacred or do we just want to have something that tastes good? And we're like, it kind of tastes like Swissness. And that's yeah, where yeah. hot chocolate came from. Um, so we kind of had that like little mix of like, you know, we used consumer insights to get to a top 10. And then from there, it was very much like, I was just like, I like, I like some vinegar better than barbecue. So like, we're just going to kind of, <laughs> can you share your flavor names and what they are? Cause I think they're all, they're really fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is definitely the most fun part of the process and, and credit goes to day job studios who actually like did the work here. And I just got to, <laughs> I'm signing off, but so starting from the top grocery store cheddar, which you know, doesn't like our whole ethos is like almost making the flavor sound unappealing. And so our thought with the cheddar was, you know, there's, there's all these like fancy cheese flavors that are coming out, but like what we're really going after is like the slice of cheese you're going to get in the grocery store and like that kind of flavor, like you might have it on a sandwich. Like, so that's kind of where we, we got the grocery store cheddar from. Um, unambiguous cinnamon toast is just cause like, it's, it's pretty clear what we're targeting. Uh, we're, we're kind of, we're inspired by uh, the uh, popular cereal brand and um, instant hot chocolate, as I mentioned, is just like, it just straight up like tasted like that. And so that's, it was an easy one to name. Uh, professional salt and vinegar is a fun one. Uh, we thought that the flavor was super extreme and we liked it, but it's not for people who don't like salt and vinegar. And so like, it's like, it's for originally we're like, maybe it's extreme salt and vinegar. And they were like, what about professional, which is great. And then last one, semi-historic sour cream and onion. And that just comes from like, it's just a funny name. Uh, and it's the idea that like what we're doing with puffs is new and exciting and different. Is it historic? Like not quite. Cause we're talking about like, like corn puffs here, but like, so it's like semi-historic, like that, that's kind of like where, where that came from. That was actually the first name we came up with. One thing that's really clear is the, the vision for the brand and the, the personality that you really like embedded into, into this process. Um, I'm just curious, like, is it, has it been this way from like the beginning and, and the brand is like what you thought it would be from the start? Did it go through like a long process of like meetings and brand ideation to like really get here? Like, what was that process like to, to get to where you are? Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely was like fun. Like I come from more of like a, a finance and strategy and ops background. And so I've always like been adjacent to brand building, but never doing the work myself, which I think gave me a unique perspective on like, like it allowed me to both like see what I thought a brand could be without like getting too invested until the one that I built. So it kind of like made it a little bit more special. And 
I mean, it was an easy process because I worked with a great agency. And so it was very much like, you know, we gave them a brief. They kind of were like, interesting, like, well, here's what we think. And I was like, oh, well, I like what you think better than what I put on the paper. So why don't we go with that? Um, and then like from like the naming, like it was very much like a pretty iterative process around like what what the kind of philosophy behind what we're doing was. And then it made it very easy for me to be like, I like that name better than that name. So let's go with it. Similarly, like with the design, like in my head, I was like, this should look like a 1970s, like baseball uniform. Like that's kind of like the aesthetic I had in my head. Um, and that's kind of where we landed. Like, I, I guess like, it's kind of like a, a very sharp or unique perspective on like what like I thought a cool thing would be. But <laughs> now, how did you end up in that as your vision? You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's one of those things that like I'm a huge sports guy and just like, I've always thought like those, like both like basketball and baseball jerseys back then were just like, those were the best in my opinion. So. And felt like that whole aesthetic and vibe of like in like old timey soda cans, like that was definitely part of the inspiration. And, you know, I'm not a designer, but like when I saw it, I was like, that's the direction we have to go with. Like, that's what I had in my head. I may not have known it, but like, it's just there. And then, you know, pulled in from, from directions that we didn't go with, like, was able to say, oh, like, like the smiley face puff on the package wasn't originally there. And so we were able to kind of pull that design element in. Um, you know, the, the little welcome on the top of our, our bag was, again, like an element we pulled in from a different uh, potential design. And so it's able to kind of like mash a few things together uh, to, to get it to, to be where it is today. So it wasn't like, it wasn't super, there weren't like a ton of turns on it. Like we, we all kind of knew which ones we liked the best. And it was, it was just like fun to, to actually just like build the brand and kind of like have something in my head and then like have someone else bring it to life. That's always a good sign. So talk about the launch process of actually making these available to the public and how the experience is going. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. Like it's it's not easy to actually like launch a, a physical product and definitely like having worked at like a bigger CPG company, something I for sure took for granted. And especially like, you know, just seeing how how big at scale things can be. Um, we luckily found a really good manufacturing partner who was on board with our crazy vision because a lot of manufacturing folks out there, they saw we were doing sweet flavors and they were like, this is going to jam up our machines. Like we can't do this or for it to work. Like you have to make like an unreasonable amount of puffs. I'm just like, I don't think I can sell all those so quickly. Um, but found a partner that was willing to work with us with reasonable MOQs and like interest in the project and building a long-term partnership with, with them has been great. And on the ops side. And then of course, like there's things like getting packaging design that's just like, there's, there's lead times and then you order it, and then it's like four more weeks. And so there's like a lot of like general project management that I, I knew going into it because I'd worked on it, but like before, but it's, it's a lot. Um, well, it's different when it's your own brand too. Like, yeah. right, was, I think, you know, six months gives us some buffer and it's like you know, a year later or something. You're like, gosh, why is this taking so long? And yeah. things like out of your control. Yeah, especially like on the packaging design too. Like we were, we reached a point. So we launched it in late March, and and we reached a point where like we just had to start parallel packing things around like December and January. And one learning for me and and for someone, if you're working on a brand, listening, like really factor in some buffer time around the holidays because I did not. I just kind of like had my little formula of like it's just another month, right? <laughs> so and and like you know other vendors are going to take time off. And so I was a little caught off guard when like some people we were working with were like, Oh, we're shutting down the last two weeks of December. I'm like, Oh man, 
well, okay. <laughs> and so what we ended up having to do was, you know, parallel pathing, packaging design and like getting a sample run together. And what we learned was like the original packaging design was, was too short. And so, and even now, like you, you can see from our bags, like we, we stuff them pretty full and that people love that. And they're like, we've gotten a lot of positive consumer feedback around how we're not like one of those brands that's just like, basically you're like, you're getting a side of snacks with your air, like yeah. it's all snacks, but I can't say that was on purpose. It kind of <laughs> just happened that way. Um, meaning like, you know, we, we added a couple inches to the bag and then like, as we started filling it, like the final puffs ended up being a little bit thicker and longer than the original, uh, samples we made. And so it's just like a constant, like, let's hope we can fill the bag up all the way type of type of situation. So that's what a lot of people don't realize. And I've gone through it when you're manufacturing one, like there's, there's like a process for figuring out your like packaging dimensions, but it's not exact, <laughs> right? Because you think about it, you're printing something that's two dimensional and you have to fold it into a three dimensional object. And yeah. so it's, it's not perfect all the time. And then, like you said, when you run a product through the actual manufacturing line, it comes out a little differently than, than, than you plan for it exactly. And it's a lot of trial and error to like turn up dials and knobs to get it exactly how you want. Yeah. And then like from our partners who are actually packaging it, like, if we don't have enough headroom in the bag for them, then that slows them down. And then, it, you know, they're, they're trying to make money too. So like, that's the other thing to be conscious of, like making sure that like your partners are actually like, you know, everyone of course needs to have aligned incentives, but like, you don't want to be the brand that causes your partners to be, you know, have trouble. So. Well, like you said, like if there's a, a third more product in each bag, it also means there's a third less bags overall, which is right. you know, normally partners charge like buy the bag. And so yeah. like, oh, we're going to make this amount and we have less. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, so that, that, that was fun. And then, you know, for actually launching, like, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like we're, we're in it, I think an impulse buy. And so of course, like on DTC, like there's some like uh, bundling we have to do to make it work. Ultimately we're going to be a retail brand um, long-term, but, you know, we did, we figured like, don't waste money on marketing before we've launched, do a little bit of influencer seeding, but really just like get out there and see what works. And what we, what we wanted to do is prove that in a category, that's just basically cheese flavors that there's room to play for other things. And what we found was that, you know, 93% of our orders, something like that, um, are multi-flavor and more importantly, like of the flavors that are, of the orders that are just single flavor. Like it's not just cheese. Like there are people ordering just cinnamon, just sour cream and onion, just salt and vinegar. So it's definitely like, I think proven that there's been latent demand for all these flavors, which is kind of what we wanted to prove. And now we're, you know, we're exploring continued growth online and actually spending money on marketing. And we just launched at Foxtrot Market in Chicago, Dallas, and DC, which is exciting. And so we're really just trying to get bags in people's hands, however they want to get them is however we'll try to give it to them. That's kind of how we thought about launching. I love that process, man. Well, I know you're just at the beginning of a long journey ahead. Yeah. So excited to follow your progress and see what Bubs become. So thanks so much for being on the show today, yeah, Sam. Of course. Appreciate it.